heights to the depths of the we're even going to see tonight, even though Josiah rose to this, he was a great man, a great reformer king, and even though it was really great and he was doing the right things, God's, God told him, judgment's coming, but I'm going to wait until you're gone, Josiah. Because of your heart toward me, I'm going to wait until you have passed from the scene, and then it's going to come. And it certainly did. And so we'll take a look at that. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Josiah came to the throne at the age of eight because of the assassination of his father. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This was true of Josiah at his young age but it's really more intended as a general description of his reign rather than a description of him at eight years old. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 22 in the book of Second Kings. All right, let's open our Bibles to Second Kings chapter 22. Lord willing, we'll finish chapters 22 and 23 tonight. We'll just see how that goes. So tonight we're going to be looking at the reign of Josiah, and Josiah, along with Hezekiah, were perhaps two of the greatest kings Israel ever had, in addition to David and uh, perhaps even Solomon. Although Solomon didn't end well, he certainly began well. But I want you to know that every one of these kings, even the exemplary kings like Hezekiah and, and certainly Josiah, they all had their moments, and uh, that ought to be encouraging to you, because sometimes when we read in the scripture uh, these different kings and, and the things that they did and how God used them, it's very easy for us to put them up on a pedestal, and it's really never a good idea to put anyone other than Christ on a pedestal, because everyone has their moments, uh, even the most godly among us, you know, uh, put in the right position and under the right circumstances, and you can find yourself being inconsistent, perhaps, and it, it is true that it takes time. You know, once we are in Christ, it takes time. It takes time, and, and sanctification is a process, and it's going to be a process that's going to begin from the moment you're born again until the moment the Lord takes you home or until the rapture of the church occurs, whichever occurs first, it's going to be a process. And be patient with yourself, and even though you may hunger and thirst for righteousness, what is the promise? You'll be filled. And, and just let the Lord work in you and don't get upset about how somebody else looks because we're, we're very good as human beings of looking externally like everything is going well. And everybody does it. Everybody doesn't want to put on the reality of who they are when they walk out in the morning. 
But the truth of the matter is, uh, regardless of the facade that somebody may put up, there's something going on in their life. There might be some issue that they're wrestling with. And, And so it's never good for us to compare one another. But Josiah was an amazing, an amazing king. And in fact, up until the very end of his life, there's nothing recorded of him that's derogatory. In fact, the Lord had some really stellar remarks to say about him. And although he wasn't the last king of Judah, uh, Josiah was the last king of great prominence who had real glory, and he enjoyed a very long reign. And the Lord perhaps used this man uh, because he had a great character. The Lord had been working that into him. And, um, and the Lord forbear or forbore his judgment against Judah for her many sins of idolatry because of this man and how he turned Israel or, or turned Judah around. And he reigned for 31 years and, and God extended great grace to Judah before he would finally allow them to be taken in taken into captivity by the Babylonians and and destroyed to a great extent. But Josiah was Judah's last star, last rising star to stand for righteousness before it would plunge into darkness. This is the last time. And remember, Israel, the northern ten tribes, already in captivity. And now some 116 years later, Judah is getting ready After Josiah passes from the scene, there's 31 years of grace. And then after Josiah dies, it's it's an immediate plummet, and they never recover, and then they're taken captive. And uh, it's a a horrible thing to, to read, certainly. But God seems to have his figures throughout history, doesn't he? When a nation or, um, you know, is floundering or being led down a path to destruction, God has people great men of courage, men filled with the Spirit of God who, who rise up. And, and God always has people like this. And, and I love it when it happens because Judah was, was plummeting and then all of a sudden we had Hezekiah who was a pretty decent king and then Ammon was pathetic and then Manasseh was bad and then he started good. But then, and then finally, you know, now we have this really great king and it's the last pinnacle before they would plunge. And... Um, there are many parallels here uh, as we look in First and Second Kings, as we've been looking through them, many parallels with what's going on in America, because America started off well, and uh, it's floundering. Right now, it's in a very bad place, and, and uh, you know, it's really up to the church. It's up to you and I to, to live the way God would want us to live and to, and to do the things that God would want us to do. It's time for the church in America to wake up. It's time for us to really press in, unlike any other time in history. Not only because we believe that Christ is coming for the church sometime very soon, but we also see those signs uh, all around us. But things aren't going well, folks. And the Bible doesn't promise America that it's going to have some kind of you know, uh, resurrection from what we're going through. It, it doesn't say anything about it. But it doesn't say that a lot about a lot of other things either. It's mainly a book about Israel. It's mainly a book of redemption. But we see similar parallels. So tonight we're going to look at a curated chronological tour. We're going to take a 
uh, a view through the reign of Josiah. And I'm going to put some scriptures on the screen, and um, we're going to go through each of these seven different um, um, passages. So you might want to write those down, take a picture of them, uh, get it on the podcast in a few days, however you want to do it. But this is really a, um, there's two, actually four different chapters specifically that really speak to Josiah's reign, uh, chapter 22 and 23, which we're going to look at tonight, but also Second Chronicles 33 and uh, uh, 34, and uh, 34 and 35, excuse me, and uh, those give us a, the larger uh, understanding of his reign. Now, there's a lot of redundancy in, in those chapters, so what I'm hoping to do tonight is to go through these scriptures, and they are in chronological order, and just go through and look at this man's life and, and, and all the things that he did, how, how he restored the, the worship in Jerusalem, how the Passover that he had done had, it was like unlike any other in any other time. It was just extraordinary, um, and it was a great revival for Israel. And then finally, in, in, in a foolish act, Josiah loses his life in a battle that God didn't tell him to get involved in. And, and I say that because, again, he a great man, but he had his moment, he had his moment where he did something foolish. And um, I don't know about you, but if I read about somebody's life and all I saw was the good, I, I would kind of get discouraged. Um, I'm glad to know that even though this man had a stellar character, that you know, they were, he had his moments. And, um, but it still does not take away from... Uh, the glory of this man and what a wonderful king he was. With that in mind, turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 34. And um, you're going to be moving around a lot. And you can see the scriptures on the screen. So I'm just going to, we're going to go in this order, but we're going to read through these passages and I'm going to comment on it as we go along just to kind of give you a broad uh, understanding of this man's life and reign. And apply it to our lives as much as we can, because that's one of the things that we like to do in Bible study. It's not just about history and not just about what the Bible, uh, the, the plan of redemption, but it's also applicable to us, and there's nuggets that we can get out of it. So notice in Second Chronicles 34, beginning in verse 1, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. So we have this young man who was eight years old when he began to reign. I mean, think about that. I mean, the guy, he's still playing with Tonka trucks and he's still playing with, you know, uh, Legos. I mean, he's eight years old. And his reign... 640 to 609 B.C., 31 years. What an amazing reign that he had. And certainly Josiah, even as a young boy coming into his kingship so young, he certainly had counselors and men around him that would help him during his young years. People that would um, come alongside of him and you know, uncles and other men that would stand with him and help him. And one thing that you got to understand or something that's, interesting to understand is during his reign, Jeremiah and Zephaniah began to prophesy. So as you read the prophet Jeremiah, as you read Zephaniah, it's around this time period, around Josiah's lifetime, that these prophets began to prophesy. Obviously prophesying to Judah, telling them of impending judgment if they did not repent. And the overarching 
uh, theme of Jeremiah's uh, writings, his prophecy, is bringing Judah to task, telling them exactly what they did wrong and what God was going to do. And then the hope that God was going to restore them to their land after they spent 70 years uh, for their punishment in Babylon, he would ultimately bring them back. And so um, these two prophets, along with others like Isaiah and Amos and Hosea and Zephaniah, are known as pre-exilic prophets. If you ever hear that word pre-exilic or um, exilic prophets or post-exilic prophets, what it's basically talking about is prophets that prophesied before Judah or Benjamin, or I'm sorry, Israel or Judah went into captivity. And so now we're looking at um, before um, Judah would go into captivity, so Jeremiah and Zephaniah, Isaiah um, and Amos, Hosea, Zephaniah, these are all pre-exilic prophets. They prophesied of the impending doom coming upon them if they didn't repent. And aren't you glad that God, he makes sure to hold us accountable You know, before he lets the hammer fall, he makes sure that you understand what you're doing, (laughs) what you've done wrong, and he even gives you space to repent. And if you repent, all is well. And God could have averted this judgment of Babylon, and and Jeremiah was crying out to God. And there came a point in Jeremiah 7, and I think it also happened in chapter 14, whereas Jeremiah is interceding for Judah, and God says, Jeremiah, don't pray anymore. Can you imagine God telling you not to pray? He says, Jeremiah, don't pray for these people anymore. It's done. They've crossed the line. And isn't that scary? When you've crossed the line, that means you've disobeyed God for so long and for so hard, and your will was such that you just you didn't care about God at all. And that's, that's a heart and a mind that is gone. And there's a point where God allows you to have that, to have what you want so bad, and that is a life without God. And even nations, he allowed the nation. When it got so bad, he's like, Jeremiah, don't even pray for them any longer. Judgment is coming, and there's nothing that's going to stop it. We're even going to see tonight, even though Josiah rose to this, he's a great man, a great reformer king, and even though it was really great and he was doing the right things, God told him, judgment's coming, but I'm going to wait until you're gone, Josiah. Because of your heart toward me, I'm going to wait until you have passed from the scene, and then it's going to come. And it certainly did. And so we'll take a look at that. Now notice also in Second Kings uh, 21, verse 1, you don't have to go there, but it, it mentions that his mother's name was Jedida, the daughter of Adaiah of Boscath. How do you like those names, ladies? How would you like to have a, have a name like Jedida? Um, but anyway, uh, his, Josiah's mother's name was, uh, was that. And I love... How as we go along, and I haven't really mentioned it up until this point, that there have been different kings that have been mentioned as we've been going along, and their mothers are also mentioned in the biblical record. And I love that because God knows where his people came from, and the record is clear. It's almost as if God is anticipating when those who hate God and hate his word would seek to confuse or deceive people that this was somehow a different Josiah. They did this with Isaiah. That They're doing it with the book of Genesis. They did it with the book of Daniel. They're trying to confuse people and say these really aren't the real people. 
And God makes sure that you understand that there's, this man is from a certain man and a certain woman, very clear who it was. There's no mistake of who this man is. And God, I love that he anticipates the higher critics. And he comes after it and he tells you exactly who this man is. Who his dad is is irrefutable. Who his mother is is irrefutable as well. Now going on in 2 Chronicles 34, verse 2, it says, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, walked in the ways of his father David, and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Now when it speaks of his father, of course, in the immediate, we know that his father was really Ammon, right? Because we read about him last week. But when it speaks of his father, it speaks of uh, his father David, it's mentioning him as his ancestor because this word that is used and called father, it's called Ab, where we get the word Abba for father. It means Ab, and it can mean in, in the immediate sense, like um, you know, his father was Ammon, or figuratively in a remote sense, like David was his ancestor going back, his father going way, going way back a couple hundred years but notice again the, the benchmark, the comparison to David's reign. All of these kings have been related back to David because David had a right heart toward God. Now, what was he without fault? Was he without fault? No, he had faults. We know he created some, did some pretty bad things, but did he repent? Yes, he did. And did he have a heart after God's own heart? Yes, he did. Was he the sweet psalmist of Israel? Yes, he was. A wonderful king, a wonderful king after God's own heart. And he says, Josiah is just like him. He's just a wonderful man. Now, immediately after those two verses, um, go to 2 Kings chapter 23. You might want to keep your finger or a a bookmark in 2 Chronicles 34 because we're going to come back there. 2 Kings 23. Verses 26 and 27. And, and this is really a, uh, a reality check and also God speaking of impending doom even in spite of Josiah's wonderful reign. Notice what it says in verse 26 of Second Kings 23. Nevertheless, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath with, with which he, his anger was aroused against Judah because of all the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. So even though Manasseh had repented while he was in captivity in Babylon and returned to his throne, God was going to still judge Judah for its idolatry. God was going to be faithful to what he had said in Deuteronomy concerning the blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience. And Manasseh's son, Ammon, would continue in the idolatry of his father and further bring calamity upon Judah. And again, there is a place in the life of an individual, of a nation, where they cross that line. And this is why it's important, even for us. Now, we don't have to worry about our salvation if we're believers. But see, I don't want to live a life uh, like Judah or like Israel, where I flirted with the line. Where is the line? How far can I go before God drops the hammer on me? Never live a life like that. Never live a life with that mindset. In fact, it would be better as Christians, even as Christians, even though we know we're going to glory, don't flirt with sin. Don't flirt with that line. Wherever you think that line is, it might be shorter than you think. 
And you, you, may, you may be going to heaven if your life gets cut short, but there, there are people that, that, I, that, I, that I know who are believers, and there were issues in their life, and they just didn't get them under control. And God allowed their life to be cut short because of their sin. And I have no doubt that they're in glory, but God is like, he's saving the soul because the sin was so great. And they just weren't ready, and weren't, something was happening, and it just they weren't ready to get rid of it. And it can be destructive. But remember that Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And, I, and he leads us in pasture, in the good pasture. He leads us in good places. And so don't flirt with that line. Stay away from the edge. Stay far away from the edge. Live your life like the edge is the worst thing, because it really is the worst thing. Don't flirt with the edge. Even as believers, stay away from it. Live a life consecrated to Christ. Amen? And so, verse 27, And the Lord said, I will also remove Judah from my sight, as I have removed Israel, and will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, My name shall be there. So the Jews thought that God would never touch Jerusalem or the temple. Um, uh, They had this false sense of security apart from obedience. But here God is saying that he's going to cast it away. He's going to cast it away. In fact, God said this, and let me just read this to you. It's in 2 Kings 21, beginning in verse 10. And the Lord spoke to his servants, the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, he's acted more wickedly than all the Amorites who were before him, and also has made Judah to sin with his idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whoever hears of it, both of his ears will tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And so I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies. And they shall become victims of plunder to all their enemies. Why? Because they have done evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. That is the reason. But God would have compassion on his people. Even in spite of their debauchery and their sin, God would have compassion on them and not push them away forever. He would restore them to their land and ultimately bless them. There's so many scriptures in the Old Testament that speak of God bringing his remnant, the Jews, out from the lands from which they were taken captive. Even in, from 70 AD when they were dispersed all throughout, the, all throughout the world and he brought them back in 1948. That was a partial prophecy of, of, of some of these uh, scripture passages. And I'd just like to read one to you. In Jeremiah 32, it says this, God having compassion on them, even in spite of their sin. Now therefore, uh, this is Jeremiah 32, verse 36. He says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city, of which you say it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. Behold, I will gather them, notice this, out of all the countries where I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in great wrath, I will bring them back to this place. I will cause them to dwell safely. Does that sound like a God who just wanted to squash them like a bug and be done with them? No, he, he caused them to go into captivity, but his heart was always to bring them back 
Because he had made promises to David. He had made promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God was going to be faithful to his promise. And even as he was faithful to that promise that he gave to those men, he's also going to be faithful. That's the end of our lesson for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.